Minutia Man is up next, but first listen to this other fine Opie show. If you missed Losano or Losano and friends, here's what you missed. I'm Rokan. Do you like to talk about <laughs> politics? I actually don't. Politics, the problem is I'm, I have no problem discussing politics. I just don't like uh, discussing it from that left-right paradigm the way that, that talk radio does it. Right. You know, where most of the, either, you know, the hosts are either, you know, very far to the right or very far to the left. Right. You know, most of them are very far to the right. And I grew up in this business, so I know what the trick is. And this is before talk radio was actually a political force in the 1980s. Yeah. I would say that two-thirds of the conservative talk shows in America don't believe anything that they're saying. Yeah. They're doing it solely to agitate so they can get phone calls. Right. There's a couple of things that worry me about the future. I mean, I, this is, I'm getting to be an old man, because it's like, I, all of a sudden, you know, back in my day, we didn't have <laughs> Armenian girls having sex with black guys. <laughs> you know, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what are they talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And this is not against, you know, the uh, Republicans or conservative philosophy, because I, I happen to vote Republican more than I do Democrat, but I, I vote for both. Yeah. Uh, but I'm a centrist. I could yeah. see both sides, and I decide who's, who's got the better idea at that moment right. that I think is going to be better for the future. It's not always the same thing. It's not always right. some sort of dogma. The left dogma doesn't make any sense to me, and no. most of the right stuff doesn't make any right. sense to me. Well, I've always said MSNBC and Fox News, neither of them are news channels. They're no, entertainment no, no. channels. Oh, and it's that's, all entertainment. But people perceive it because they put the label news on it and present it like news. Right. And it's like, no, it's just talking point. The Federal Trade Commission should do something about that. It is completely entertaining. And I've worked in cable news. Yeah. And I use that term loosely. Yeah, uh, yeah. I worked with Glenn Beck. I know. Do you I think know. that Glenn Beck oh my gosh. has any... I was his fill-in when he was at CNN. Yeah. To bring this around full circle, he was a morning DJ in Phoenix. Okay. Yeah. Glenn... Yeah. As a showman, I mean, he's he, he didn't get in this for the right. politics of it. Right, right. I think Rush truly believes what he says. It. Really, I do. I yeah. always thought of him as more of an entertainer uh-uh. than anything. No, wow. I think he really believes it, mm. and he's very he's entertaining at doing it. He's yeah. very entertaining at doing and it, and he could do it without calls. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. But that's yeah. the point. Yeah. That's what very saying. few guys can do that. Right. There's everybody in conservative talk radio has a first and last name. That's just like the same thing. Hugh Hewitt. <laughs> and uh, like Lou Lewis, and there's guys. I mean, literally, there are guys that yeah. you know. Tom Thompson. It's like really, <laughs> you think we're that stupid that we can't remember your name? That you have to name yourself twice? <laughs> Assholes. Radio Misfits. Get more. Lozano and friends. Lozano. Now on Lozano.com. Good luck trying to spell. Lausano, or whatever it's called. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast. An Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Man with Rick and Dave. Hey, hey. Back for another episode of Minutia Man with uh, Rick and Dave. It's like clockwork, Rick. Every week you can, well... 42 out of 52 yeah, weeks, maybe, I think when we'll Rick isn't do. in Europe or L.A. Or... Well, I'm not traveling anymore with this coronavirus thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to not leave this room that <laughs> yeah. we're in right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's pretty scary, but I'm sure everything is fine. Mike Pence is on the on the case. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's got that's... everything under control. That's true. So, Dave... Uh, well, you know, we, we taped yeah. this in advance. Right. Right now, it's kind of a little funny. Or not yeah, funny. that's true. By the time this airs, there could be seventeen thousand people. Well, yes, that's time. true. So, uh, if that's the case, uh, we apologize yeah. for our uh, our bad taste. 
Yeah. Is there really anything? You know what? Show them the baby picture. You got a baby picture? Oh, so someone posted on Facebook. Um, my friend Jennifer Knox uh, posted. So they, uh, her and her daughter Tori went to preschool together at St. Viter's. We were the Jewish family. Yes, yes. And well, here, let me show it to you. Aww. Like there's right. It's one of those you know composite Aww. school composites, and there's little Lila Bean right there. Yeah, don't you remember that? Oh, little girl? I know she and <laughs> so yeah. Uh, she's now not that little girl anymore, <laughs> and she's gonna get her license. And uh, we've got college tours coming up in yeah. um, you know spring break. But when you look at that little picture, where are you going? Any more fun? Uh, uh, Champagne, okay. Bloomington, and. Peoria. All right, so the usuals. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, we're going to go to U of I and then uh, ISU and then Bradley. Okay. And then... So you're making it pretty clear to her that the state of Illinois <laughs> is really where she should be going to college. Yeah. Uh, Somewhere within the... We call it in-state tuition, <laughs> right, honey. Exactly. <laughs> she has gotten a couple of lessons of in, in economics, you know, uh, but she also wants to go see Kalamazoo College. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and while we're there, we're going to go see Western Michigan. Well, you know what is in Kalamazoo? Huh. Bell's Brewery. Yeah. So I can, yeah. I can be so, there. I mean, you might want to encourage that visit. Just a visit. It, you know, and, and again, I don't want to besmirch any of these universities yeah. that are out of state and private, but they're not cheap. <laughs> no, I know. Trust me, I know. You know, and you're like, <laughs> really? Why this little, you know, this little, well, because... Because Alexis and you know blah blah are going there, I'm like, yeah, that's really not a reason that you're going to be. Well, you know, uh, so my oldest went to Columbia College, mm-hmm. and that was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my second son Johnny uh, went to uh, community college, mm-hmm. and he he's working. He he college was not for him. Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, showing the picture of Lila mm-hmm. made me think of Little Johnny because Little Johnny was a big star on. WJMK mm-hmm. on Landecker show. We used to do movie reviews and stuff. And I just found these the other day. And this the reason I want to bring this up here is uh, it's in the news that the uh, the CEO of Disney mm-hmm. has stepped down. What was his name? Robert Iger, I believe. I think so, yeah. Um, and so I found a uh, review that Johnny did of a Disney movie would you like oh, to yeah. like to hear johnny sure. do the review all right sure this is three minutes we don't have to write he, by the way uh johnny is turning 22 next week wow wow uh, and this, happy birthday johnny this is uh, a little before he was 22 here we go uh hi what's your name huh? what's your name johnny are you johnny kemper the half pint movie critic yep what did we see on dvd what it's called mickey's magical christmas why there's a, all <laughs> kinds of stories about Mickey, isn't there? Right. Did you like the story about Mickey and the Nutcracker? Mm-hmm. I want to watch that, that one again. Donald Duck saw a really bad monster. It was a big snowman. Is, is Donald okay? He was getting his and he fell down. That was a silly person. He fell down when he was skating. That was a silly part. And what was your favorite part? <laughs> the skating when, when Donald Duck fell down. I love that one. You like it when so Johnny's fall a down and themselves? Yeah. I love that part. 
Okay. Does he need the Heimlich? How many stars do you give this one? Three stars. Big fan of three. I need him for half pint movie credit. Crazy credit. Oh, that's so cute. Isn't, uh, he, isn't he something? Why don't we get Johnny on? Oh, he's not <laughs> awake yet, right? No, he's still sleeping. Yeah. He's upstairs it's right now. It's only noon right here in Chicago. Yeah, he works late nights. He does, but still. Yeah, you know, remember when you and I were in college and we oh, got up. Oh, crack of dawn. Just, we'd watch the sunrise because right. that's, if you're not if you're not getting up early enough to see the sunrise, yeah, you're just yeah. sleeping your life away. Um, you know, there were times in college, <laughs> kids, that wasn't true, uh, <laughs> that I would go days without ever seeing the sun. Yeah, I know. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I know. I remember you were terrible. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, oh, I, well, I remember the time that. That I, I think we're we got to get to some minutia. No, no listen. What <laughs> I remember gotta... waking up once at like two o'clock in the afternoon, going uh-huh. you know going into the living room, and you and Steve Quinn were still sleeping. And I remember actually thinking I'm superiority to you, like guys, you're sleeping your night away, your, your day away. That sounds like a made up story. <laughs> All right, well, you got some minutia for everybody. I do. All right. Uh, this is actually a um, Jenkins. Do you have the? Jen- do I have a Jenkins? Come on, pop that go. baby up. When you're on the job and you're not doing it right. Jenkins! Time now for Dave to share stories of employee screw-ups. Jenkins! It could only be... Jenkins! Jenkins! With Rick and Dave. Jenkins! Time for you to break out your Irish accent, Seamus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you got it? Man loses $60 million in Bitcoin when the landlord cleaned the house and sent everything to the dump by mistake. An Irish drug dealer... God, Irish drug dealer. Get your hands off me like charms. <laughs> An Irish drug dealer learned the hard way that every Bitcoin investor knows never lose your lose your codes. Clifton Collins, a former security guard and beekeeper, that magically delicious, <laughs> turned weed grower and dealer. Now this is a guy <laughs> This is a guy that has dreams, right? He starts as a, as a beekeeper, and he's like, you know what? There's bees. Yeah. There's weed. I'm going to be a, be a weed, yeah. weed dealer. that has double E's. Lost $60 million when his landlord cleaned out the house he'd been renting and sent everything to the dump, including Colin's fishing rod case that hid his Bitcoin codes. Oh, because so, Bitcoins are right, not actual not, coins. There's not a physicality to them. They're like codes. Um, so who's the Jenkins here? Is it? The, I think both of them are Jenkins. Okay. First of all, the guy who's putting $60 million of codes in a... That's what I'm saying. And then the landlord... Well, I guess... You know, the landlord... Yeah, I mean, he he's threw... not really... I mean, whatever. Um, but without the codes, you can't access Bitcoin. I mean, 60 million. 60 so this million. guy was quite a good drug dealer. Right, I was... Well, and I figured out you must be... Selling a, a lot of weed, yeah, to have sixty million dollars. Um, Collins decided to spread his wealth over twelve accounts, printed out the codes, and then put them on a piece of paper. And they're now in a oh my god, they've now been incinerated. Um, one thing when I read this story, yeah, is that I should never own any Bitcoin because I can't remember passwords oh, or me neither. you know pin numbers or I, I wonder like if bitcoin has a thing like have you forgotten your bitcoin passwords well i think it's well this is what scares me with bitcoin is can someone just hack into a computer and steal your bitcoin or uh, probably 
Yeah, probably. I'm, I'm sticking with dollars. Yeah, I'm sticking in with the it. mattress the way God intended. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So whatever. But so there you go, kids. If All you right. got bitcoins, don't lose your codes. Right. That's uh. But if you want to make a lot of money, drug dealers make a lot of money. Evidently, right. So there's another thing to keep in mind. Financially, you just have to be better uh, responsible. Um, I've got a story about another uh, profession that is frowned upon by modern society. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a story that takes place in Santa Monica, California, Dave. A porn stunt apparently done to get clicks is provoking outrage after news surfaced that an adult film was shot Inside a public library Ooh. in Santa Monica. <clears throat> now, the video, if you want to look for it, oh, it's no, probably yeah, 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 not right. available. I don't know where you'd find it, but let's say it's out there. Well, it's, honey, I had to go on board. <laughs> we it's are a, doing a show prep. Show prep. Podcast. Uh, the video is more than 10 minutes in length. Uh, it was shot in Santa Monica City streets and then inside the Santa Monica Public Library. The video shows a woman exposing herself outside the uh, in the streets and then inside the uh, and also outside apparently a, an elementary school. This is kind of sick. Yeah, and then carrying out sex acts in the library itself. Wow! Right now, they didn't um, clear this obviously with the library. <laughs> well, you know how you can go to a library and they've got those little like offices that you can rent. You do it by signing up a name. You know, signing up your name. Maybe maybe they did that. Well, it could be. Uh, but apparently a neighbor uh, who lives in the area is upset. Her name is uh, Janet McLaughlin, a neighbor. She said, God forbid, a child walked in the library and walked right in the middle of it. That's my biggest concern. Children don't need to be exposed to this. If you want to do born, stick to hotels, which is kind of an odd way of pointing it out. But, you know, whatever. Right. right. Uh, apparently this is not illegal. What is not illegal? What they did on this video is not illegal to do this in a public place. Public nudity is not? Well, not if you're not caught. I, I mean, guess. if you film it, it's it's not illegal. Okay. I mean, they. I guess they could technically call you with a... Uh, well, they don't know who they are, right? I mean... Well, they... they in the video, it says... Star, I mean, I've heard. I've read. <laughs> it's probably in this article. It says starring such and such, you know, whoever the poor well, is. Was it the real is. name of the person? Are you saying that porn stars have stage names? <laughs> I, I am. I am, I am <laughs> saying that it could be a pseudonym, yes. Uh, what's funny is the face of the man in the video is never shown, only the woman. Huh. Uh, but CBS Los Angeles has chosen not to release the identity of the female, um, and that is, uh, uh, that's who I'm reading the report from, CBS Los Angeles. Did they do it in a, um, did they shoot it in a particular um, category of books? Like the classics? Were they doing it in the classics? I would think so. Um I would think so. And, and I'm sure she was wearing glasses like a librarian, <laughs> which, right, right, I'm sure. Uh, well, you know, I uh, I love porn movies that have, like, uh, double entendres with, like, Charles Dickens classics. <laughs> you know, like Ivanhoe, you know, or A Tale of Two Titties, <laughs> you know. So this is right up, right up the library uh, genre, right? Uh, yes. <laughs> Where's your Charles Dickens? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, what else you got? Um, Madison Baumgartner, the baseball player. Yeah, sure, the pitcher. Yeah, he, Giants. Uh, I think he he was on the Giants. I think he signed a a, a free agent contract with somebody. I well, don't remember who. Well, Madison Baumgartner 
um, evidently is a fan of rodeos. I don't really, quite frankly, who isn't? He's, but, he's, I think he's from North Carolina or well, something. Well, like he that. loves rodeos, and in fact, he loves them so much that he uses a fake name to regularly participate in rodeos. You mean to be like the cowboy himself? Yeah, well, I, the, the yeah, the roper guy. Wow. Right. And uh, Madison Baumgartner has a unique hobby outside of baseball. This is from The Athletic. Uh, the three-time World Series champ and new Arizona Diamonds, there, yeah, Diamondbacks. I knew he uh, signed somewhere. Competes in radio shows under the secret alias. Not radio, rodeo. Oh, you're right, yeah. you're right, rodeo. Uh, rodeo shows. Well, he probably does radio shows, too. In fact, <laughs> yeah. let's get him on. <laughs> under the secret alias of Mason Saunders. Oh, that's a that's a good rodeo name. Yeah, um, and and the reason why he got busted is basically the rodeo put a congratulatory a congratulatory photo on their Facebook page, and they're Oops. like, "Hey, there's there's Oops. Madison Baumgartner." Well, I'm sure that breaks every rule in his contract. Oh, I know. Well, he, and he won twenty six thousand five hundred and fifty bucks. Right. I mean, he makes which is like which 10 is one pitch, a year, right, which mean. is one pitch. So, I think this is an opportunity for us. Yeah. I'm, so I'm creating an app. Okay. Okay. I, I don't know what the name is going to be of the app, but it's right. going to be an app that you can generate your cowboy name. Because quite frankly, you know, Mason Saunders, I don't know how he came up with that. That's but, a pretty good one. But let's say you want to be a cowboy in a oh, rodeo. Of course I want you to be. Are, You're going to need a cowboy name, right? Yeah. It's amazing I haven't done it yet. So I've got a couple of um, questions you need to answer, and then it'll generate a cowboy name for you oh great all right first of all pick a truck either ford chevy or toyota i'm gonna say ford all right let me put this in the beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. <laughs> okay pick pick a drink whiskey rye yeah. or zima whiskey okay boop, boop, all boop, the boop. way favorite gun colt 45 38 special or nerf uh i'm gonna go nerf okay hold on let it generate beep, beep, boop, beep, boop, boop, boop. you are pale rider rick pale rider I like it. Right, exactly. Now, if you would have hit, if you would have picked Toyota, Zima, or Nerf, yeah, you would have been the Village People cowboy. <laughs> okay. So there you go. That app should be uh, up, up and coming. I like Pin Sorry. Rider. That's a cool one. Um, speaking of up and coming, we've got yeah. Fred Mitchell coming up. We do. Fred Mitchell is a uh, sports writer in Chicago. Um, and has seen for forty years. He wrote for the Chicago Tribune. He's seen it all. And uh, we'll be talking to him in just a few moments here. But first, uh, we have uh, one more feature before we take a break. A random name pulled out of Rick's bowl of brushes with celebrities. Mixture. Collection. Selection. Assemblage. Medley. Assortment. Variety. Time now for Celebrity Potpourri with Rick and Dave. So this is the part of the show where Dave reaches his hand into the jar pulls out the name of a celebrity, and I have to tell the story of having met that person. Uh, last week we had uh, Chicago Bears great Brian Urlacher. Okay, now this is fitting because we're going to be talking about the Bears Sports, probably exactly. yeah, with, so. with Fred Mitchell. Brian Urlacher, um, I never uh, was part of a radio show that had him on mm-hmm. as a guest, but I was golfing one time with my brother-in-law, Paul, mm-hmm. out in the western suburbs somewhere. We were in the... At the nineteenth hole, Dave. You know where that's glug 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 glug. When you were drinking risky wise or Zima, you were doing the Zima. Zima right? Yeah, we were doing the Zima shots. And uh this this guy, this bald guy who at the Who now is not a bald guy, that <laughs> mother yeah. Uh he walks up to the bar and, and gets uh you know, uh buys a round for his table and yeah. brings it back to his table and he's carrying it in a tray and everything. I'm like, that guy looks a lot like Brian Urlacher. Yeah. 
And Paul was like, no, it can't be Brian Urlacher. He's sitting with a bunch of like 50-year-old men. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure enough, it was Brian Urlacher. And he What's had, wrong with 50-year-old men? <laughs> well, it just it just seems weird that he was in his 20s. Oh, was he oh, so this was a long time. Okay. He was playing. He okay. was on the Bears. Okay. Yeah. And he's and, drinking? Yeah, well, I, I got some news for you. Yeah. They these, do uh, Yes. Okay. These yeah. athletes uh all right. Yeah, their bodies are not temples all the time. Well, maybe yeah. an eight and eight season <laughs> should keep them from uh, drinking a little bit. Uh, but anyway, that was my whole story. Is mm-hmm. I went up and talked to him, and I, you know, you're Brian Urlacher. Of course, he stood up next yeah. to me, and I'm like, okay, yeah. Should you know, it. looking at him across the bar, he doesn't look huge. Uh, but when you're standing right next to him, did you shake his hand? I shook his hand. Was it like a like a mammoth? Not really. No. So, no. Uh, in fact, he really wasn't that imposing compared to. Some of the other football stars I've met in my life. Uh, I, you know who Dan Jiggets is. Yeah, former Chicago Bear. Sure, we uh, did an appearance with him at uh, right. in Arlington Heights. So we were, God, this has got to be a nineteen, I don't know, ninety three, four, whatever. Me, Michelle, Dane, went up to Green Bay, where the Bears were playing the Packers, and we all went out to and uh, Dan was on Fox on Fox uh, Fox thirty two with right. Dane. So we all went out to dinner, and I shook his hand, and it was like a bear yeah. paw. I mean, it was this just a. I mean, I just remember feeling so. Yeah. Just, I mean, I feel inadequate all the time. But I really, had the same uh, feeling when I met Mike Ditka. Yeah. His hands are just gigantic. But that, that's a story for another time. Well, and an, another story for another time, which will be next week, will be uh, perhaps the greatest American frontman rock and roll, Steven Tyler. Oh, from America, probably yeah. right. Yeah, from Aerosmith. Right, exactly. But yeah, American born. Probably. And this is a story when he was in his prime. That's all I'm going to uh, okay. tell you. That's just Can't a teaser. Can't wait. Next week we'll hear all about Steven Tyler. Um, but we need to take a break. Uh, we'll we set up everything here. We're going to bring in Tribune writer uh, uh, Fred Mitchell, and we're going to talk sports here for just a little bit. Uh, right after this. What do you get when you hear a, a celebrity Minutia Men interview, Dave? You will get Mark Cuban and Anthony Scaramucci, Cousin Oliver from the Brady Bunch and the bully from the Christmas Story. Yes. The voice of Siri and She Shed Cheryl. My God, it list goes on. So you'll get Minutia, Celebrity Minutia Men interview, a Tony Lasano podcast. Go to opishows.com or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, Lou is on assignment, so I drive solo with information about a new Mercedes Superlux SUV and a new SUV from Aston Martin. Yep, you heard that right. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Time now for the Celebrity Minutia Minute. Hey, you got a minute? Celebrity Minutia Minute with Rick and Dave. All right. Fred Mitchell is on the line in Chicago. We know him as a sports writer, which he was uh, for the Chicago Tribune for over 40 years. But before he started working at the Trib, he's a college football star at Wittenberg University. In fact, the best kicker in the country every year is given the Fred Mitchell Award. Isn't that right? That's right. I'm very, very proud, obviously, to to have my name associated with the, with that award, and it uh, recognizes not only kicking excellence, obviously, 
but also uh, community service. So uh, very proud. So uh, tell us a little bit about your kicking career, because I, I know you were an innovator in some ways. Well, yeah, I, I was a uh, old style, straight on kicker with a square toed shoe. And Tom uh, Dempsey style. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I started kicking probably around seven years old, uh, growing up in Gary, Indiana. Were you kicking and, your sister? You know, <laughs> I didn't have a sister. Probably would have two brothers. Uh, but anyway, I would uh, go in the backyard and kick from my backyard into an empty lot, wow. and then kick it back from the empty lot to my backyard. Uh, and then eventually, I. Uh, erected a goal post that was made out of two bamboo poles that they used to use to wrap carpeting around back in the 60s. And and, uh, so those were the uprights. And then I used my mother's uh, clothesline for the crossbar. And so that was my my makeshift goal post. And if I tried a long field goal from about 50 yards or so when I was 13 or 14 years old and the ball – happened to land on the crossbar, which is the clothesline, and then the whole, whole thing would collapse. <laughs> uh, did, you, did you ever shank one like Cody Parkey and, like, and, and, and break Double uh, doink? <laughs> there were no double yeah, doinks. Uh, break the McGillicuddy's window? In high school and college and semi-pro, and I can recall just one time uh, that happening out of the hundreds and hundreds of, of wow. kicks uh, that I made. So that was what Cody Parkey did was uh, pretty, pretty unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. What if Fred Mitchell, if the Fred Mitchell award is for the best, what would the Cody Parkey award be for? Yeah, how, yeah. how many crossbars they end up hitting? Yeah. Best uh, job of hitting the upright, I guess. You know, speaking of football, Gail Sayers was one of my, I, I, I was a little young to have really, rem- I mean, I, I barely remember him. I'm, you know, 50, 56, but I do remember him. But Gail Sayers, you've written 11 books, but I think the one that really has resonated with me is the book on Gail Sayers. And, uh, you know, I think like any other male, I cried at Brian's song, although it was a very manly cry yes. when, 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 when I cried after Brian's song. But talk to us a little bit about, you know, Gail Sayers, your relationship that you had with him. We understand he's not doing great health-wise right now. But, uh, yeah, talk to us a little bit about Gail Sayers and how it was working, you know, working on the book and, you know, your experience. Yeah, it was a, it was a terrific opportunity and, and experience. I'm old enough to uh, have remembered seeing him in play uh, in his prime and what a remarkable athlete he was. Uh, I think I was a freshman in college uh, when he was a, a rookie, and I remember – watching on television uh, him uh, scoring the six touchdowns against the 49ers. Yeah. Uh, so his, you know, he, he was one of those athletes where, where I tell people you had to really watch him in person or at least on television to appreciate just how, how good he was. And of all the great running backs uh, before and since him, I think the, the one that, a lot of people could uh, identify with would be Barry Sanders in terms of ability to stop and start on a dime, change directions, make people miss. Um, this was the kind of a runner he was. And uh, in addition to having an exceptional sprinter's speed, 
Uh, he did it all in terms of kickoff returns, punt returns, uh, running from scrimmage, uh, even th- through the ball occasionally. Uh, so he was uh, a remarkable athlete. So th- to have the opportunity to write uh, his biography with him uh, really meant a, a lot to me. He's kind of a, a, a quiet individual, even more so uh, during his playing days and you know, early in his career. Uh, in fact, he had a, a speech impediment, that I think, that uh, had a lot to do with huh. that. But uh, what he's done after his playing career, after his short playing career, uh, is probably even more remarkable because uh, uh, a lot of people are not aware of, of, of what he did in terms of uh, starting his own business, the computer supplies, and his foundation, and, and helping young young people uh, develop confidence to be able to speak publicly, for instance. These are some of the things that, that, uh, that he's accomplished. And one of the one of the things he, he kept repeating when we did the book was that his message to young uh, football players in particular is prepare to quit. In other words, you know, the average uh, career of an NFL player used to be like three and a half years, I think. Uh, so even if you had, you know, 10, 12 year career, uh, you're still a relatively young man and have the rest of your life to live. And you need to prepare uh, for your life career after playing football. He did that. He went back to school and uh, got his master's degree. Um, was a athletic director at uh, uh, Southern Illinois, mm-hmm. and at, I think it was an assistant at Kansas. Uh, did a lot of wonderful, wonderful things uh, with his life uh, after, you know, starting out very disadvantaged. Uh, you know, growing up poor in Omaha and uh, not having uh, a whole lot of advantages. But football provided uh, opportunities for him, and he, and he certainly took advantage of it. How is his health these days? I understand he's suffering. Yeah, he's suffering from a form of, a form of dementia. Yeah. Uh, I visited him about a year and a half ago, I guess it was. Uh, he lives in a small town in, in Indiana with his, uh, with his wife. And uh, he has a couple of caregivers who come in every day to, to, to help him. It's a, it's a struggle for him. It's a struggle for, for his wife, Artie. Uh, he has good days and bad days. Some, you know, some days he can uh, identify longtime friends and, and acquaintances, and other times he can't. Uh, when I visited him uh, initially, I, I, think, I think he recognized me. I think his, his wife prepped him on the fact that I was coming and yeah. kept, you know, showing him the book. But it's, it's so it's, it's, it's sad, uh, sad to see that right now. Yeah, it is. Another, another book you wrote, um, it was about one of my childhood heroes, Billy Williams. I, I bought that book when you appeared at the Chicago Writers Association conference a few years ago. And it's a great book. It, and Billy comes off as a genuinely humble man. Um, is that, is that how you see him too? Oh, absolutely. He's the he's a real deal, and he treats everyone uh, the same, whether it's a groundskeeping crew or the, the ushers or uh, current players, the media. Yeah, everyone has nothing but wonderful things to, to say about him as as a human being. 
And, uh, you know, when you rattle off all of his uh, accomplishments, most notably being a Hall of Fame ball player, yeah, um, it's, it's remarkable that, that he's retained his, his humble roots. Uh, I had an opportunity to go down to, uh, to Alabama, uh, where he grew up, it must have been right after he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Wow. And, uh, Got to meet a lot of a lot of people that uh, you know that he grew up with, and former teachers and coaches, and everyone had pretty much the same thing to, to say about him and uh, what a what a wonderful person he is. So uh, that was an, a very enjoyable book uh, to write and to to work with him and talk about things. He's another guy who was uh, notably very quiet. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not easy getting the uh, info out of these guys to write a book, is it? <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's much, you know more talkative now, but uh, when when he first came up to the big leagues, he was very shy, introverted, uh, and, and uh, didn't display a lot of the qualities that, that he does now. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he's he's a real deal, and like I say, there there's so many uh, anecdotes and, and, and uh, stories that had not probably been told or not told widely, at least uh, that uh, helps hopefully helps the, the reader uh, understand uh, his background and what he accomplished and, and perhaps even why he remained so, so humble. You know, I, uh, I met him when I was a kid, I was probably like 10 years old at a, at a car dealership. He was doing a personal appearance and I remember being so disappointed because he was wearing street clothes. <laughs> like, you know, don't you don't you always wear your Cubs uniform <laughs> wherever you go, Billy? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you know that, that that's something that uh, uh, a lot of young players need to know. I think is so many people identify with the athlete in uniform, right? And, right. You know, once those days are over. Uh, you, often the athletes don't get the same treatment yeah, right. that they did. But in, in your case, you're just talking about during his playing days. Right. He's not a uniform. Uh, it, it's a lot different, certainly. You've been you've been at the Tribune for over four decades, right? Well, he, yeah, uh, he was. Yeah, yes. Or, or at 41 years. 41 years you were at the Tribune. Um, yes. So you saw, what would you see? You saw Probably twelve championships. Uh, let me. I'm trying to think. Six Bulls. What? Three Blackhawks. A Bears. A Cubs. And of course, the most important one, which was the White Sox. Uh, which you know, which of those were the most fun to you know um, cover? I mean, I'm sure they all were fun at some respect. But anything, uh, any one of those teams, like the '85 Bears, maybe that kind of sticks out in your mind a little bit more than the other ones do. Yeah, so I took a buyout from the Tribune uh, November 25th of 2015. Okay. And so I missed... Oh, you missed the Cubs then. I missed the Cubs. I missed Northwestern getting to the NCAA Uh, tournament for the first time in school history. Uh, But I was around for all all those other uh, titles and championships. And they all were, you know, sort of of remarkable in their own way. And... Uh, you know, given the benefit of time uh, perspective to, to look back at them, uh, probably the most talked about is, is the Bears mm-hmm. Super Bowl. Since Chicago considers itself a, a Bears town more than anything else, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
all the Bulls championships are, you know, now looking back, uh, I think they, they gain in value. You yeah. see how how difficult it is for the current franchise to, to even get to the postseason, not to mention win a championship. But uh, each one in its own way, uh, you know, was a, a wonderful experience. As a journalist, as a sports writer, uh, you become a bit d- detached from the the fan right. feeling. Uh, at least I did. You have to, right, in order you, to write you, you about it to. objectively. You have to, as is correct. But at the same time, there's no doubt that uh, when when the team that you're covering is <clears throat> winning and winning championships, you you know that the readership is greater, the interest yeah. is greater, uh, people uh, are, are easier to to deal with. So, well, from can- that standpoint, it. it it makes everybody's job easier when the, when the team is, is doing well. Can you uh, clear up a conspiracy uh, theory for me? Um, <laughs> uh, now, you, you're not with the Trib anymore, but which means actually you can be totally honest about this. White Sox fans believe that the Tribune is totally biased against the Sox and in favor of the Cubs, and especially when the Tribune owned the Cubs, they believe this. And you cannot convince a White Sox fan that is not true. Is it true or is it not true? Well, I, I can only speak, you know, for myself. And, and I covered the Cubs uh, for several years uh, during the Tribune Company's ownership of the team. And I I felt it was an awkward situation for for me and, and other Tribune writers to be placed in uh, because of the uh, at least the appearance mm-hmm. of a yeah. conflict of interest. And I know that... The, Employees of the of the Tribune, especially writers, are really pressed uh, on uh, not having any appearance of a, of a conflict of interest uh, in, in anything that that we do. So, for the company to own the team that you're covering, you know, seemed to me to be well, this is the ultimate conflict of interest to be placed in. So, from my standpoint, I, you know, I I probably. I felt like I went overboard the other way in terms of being critical of the team when, when it called for criticism, uh, just to avoid the appearance of, of a conflict of interest. So if I thought the management was, uh, uh, doing something, uh, in, you know, was inept in, in what they were doing or, hmm. uh, the Cubs, doing the Cubs something never happened. happened. That, it's hard to believe, Fred. <laughs> I... <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Uh, well, now, okay. So you, what you're saying is thing, another thing I'll say yeah. uh, about the Cubs prior to 1988. <laughs> yeah, we played all day games, right? Yeah. Except oh, right. Game. So just from a production standpoint, you guys know, you know, as editors, uh, and you've got photographers out at, at a day game at, at the Cubs, and you get great photos. You get your story in. Get everything set up and planned uh and then you've got a white Sox game that night that ends at 10 10 30 let's say yeah, right it's tough so just from a production standpoint you're going to say hey we've got the cubs game we've got the story we've got the pictures we've got the graphics uh, you know we like what we've got you know so it's a little easier a little easier doing little, those day yeah, games yeah. just from a practical standpoint that that's my theory anyway 
Yeah, your your um, the latest book that you did uh, that you just wrote is um, about Loyola, Loyola basketball. Uh, yet you're an adjunct professor at another school, right? Where are you? That's good. Is it DePaul? To Paul. Has that? I mean, is has there been any another conspiracy? Yeah, we got yeah, another we're, conspiracy. we're just trying to get publicity here, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, are they? Uh, has there been any kind of? Uh, I don't know any kind of. Yeah, conflict as DePaul said anything or you know because uh, because you you know Loyola and of course you know Sister Jean I mean it's a wonderful story has DePaul mm-hmm. asked you to write one about them maybe <laughs> not yet uh, you know not yet and certainly you know I would I would listen yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the way the Loyola uh, book came about was uh, during uh, uh, d- during their run to the final four a couple of years ago and actually, I was at the, the, the writers' uh, conference, and a, a writer from New York uh, suggested to me that, hey, this is a big story. Look at the national reaction. Yeah. So he lined me up with his literary agent. Hmm. Oh, you're that's kidding. How, that's how it all, all came about. So, uh, you know, it, strange things. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. There. Yeah. So where can people get this book? I know it's out there now. Yeah, you can get it uh, you know, on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com, or you can get it at uh, any of the Loyola bookstores. Uh, there's one on campus, and there's one downtown, and, uh, and probably you know, most bookstores. Uh, but you know, the easiest way probably would be online, just to click BarnesandNoble.com or Amazon.com and uh, have it have it delivered to you uh, that way. All right. Well, thank you very much, Fred Mitchell. Uh, uh, you're a uh, you're a gentleman and a, a great sports writer, and uh, it really has been a pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Fred. We really well, appreciate it. It's been been my, been my pleasure. Good to talk to you. That I have plenty of stories. Believe me. Okay. I, well, I what, a, we'll what about we'll, next Thursday? <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk to you <laughs> soon. Thanks, Fred. You bet. Thank you. Bye bye. And we're back. That's great. Thank you, Fred, for taking yeah. some time out of your busy schedule. And uh, he's like, he's written more books than you have. I know. He's three. He's got three more than yeah. me. So you better get going. So I better get going, right. And he can kick better, too. Uh, much better. Uh, special thanks to our executive producer, Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo backwards. O-P-P-I-H shows.com. We're distributed by Ed Silla with the Radio Misfits. Great Talk Radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of... The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? I'm Steve Baskerville. I'm Howard Sudbury. I'm going to show you my doodle. <laughs> can you see my doodle from where no. you are? You know who else would? Walter Jacobson would doodle. Yeah. And his doodle one day was close to my doodle. <laughs> he, uh, so you've seen his doodle? Sure. Uh, <laughs> he's seen your doodle. He's seen my doodle more than one day. Uh, Back to you with Howard Sudbury. And Steve Baskerville. Back to you, an OPI show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. Direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications. From bandstand to gaga. Let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv.
If you're a fan of the English Premier League, you'll want to check out Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. As you can hear by his accent, Adam is from England originally. Chelsea fan, if you must know. And he's also an expert in soccer tactics and methods. He's the director of coaching for the Illinois Youth Soccer Association. So obviously, he has some incredible insights into the game. Tune in every week. We're on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. A Tony Lasano podcast, the No Pie Show. And because it's soccer, we never use our hands. Radio Misfits. Dot com.